go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Wednesday, if you're a Phillies fan, yeah, if you're a Sixers fan like me, no. Uh, but <laughs> it, I, it was a bag of uh, mixed emotions last night for me, Tony. The Sixers are, if I had to pick a win last night between those two, it definitely would have been the Phillies. But Oh, yeah, for sure. You can't have it all, Jeff. You know that. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I can't be too greedy here. I know Philadelphia hasn't been losing in a while. I mean, the Flyers are even 3-0. and So, But uh, uh, overall, Tony, it was a pretty good night for uh, Philly sports and probably a pretty good week as well so far. Yeah, definitely, man. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree. You know, basketball is back. Uh, uh, the Phillies, they, they, got, they got the first win. You know, they, they threw the first punch in the NLCS. So, you know, what more can you ask for? Your Philadelphia Eagles are obviously 6-0 and heading into their bye week. You know, this is just a great time for Philadelphia sports in general. And I tell you this right now, man, these Phillies look special, but these Philadelphia, these Philadelphia Eagles look even more special by the way they've just been dominating the opposition, you know, especially the way they've been handling business in the division early, you know, taking out the Cowboys, taking out the Washington Commanders, you know, and, you know, the Washington Commanders, you know, we talked about this off air. They're going through a lot, man, from the top down and, you know, the most latest news is this quarterback position. Yeah, Taylor Heineke's going to start. Uh, not a surprise, really, if you think about it. Uh, Sam Howell probably isn't ready yet. I know they like him, but I don't think they want to throw a fifth-round rookie into the fire that might have some potential there. But Taylor Heineke's been there the last couple of years. Uh, they know what he can do. And, uh, you know, Ron Rivera named the starter yesterday uh, because Carson Wentz is going to be out uh, minimum four weeks, probably going to. It's probably going to be like Dak Prescott's injury about six weeks because it's going to take a while. And I, I got to be honest with you, Tony. I know we've talked about this a bunch of times, but we're going to find out now. Is it Carson Wentz that's the problem or is it their offense? You know, is it their offensive line, their, their wide receivers? It, I don't think it's their wide receivers, but right. it, it might be more than Carson Wentz. But we'll find out over these next couple games. Well, you know, for Tyler Heineke's sake, right, he – He's playing with house money, really. He doesn't really have anything to really lose in this situation. Um, all he can do is really gain. But even then, I think the commanders know he's not the long-term fix. But, 
you brought up a good point. Is it Carson Wentz that's the issue, or is it the Washington Commanders scheme? Is it coaching? You know, you, we're definitely going to find that out. But Teller Heineke, you know, last year he he was he was average, maybe maybe slightly above average. You know, he uh, played all 16 games, completed 65 percent of his passes, which is the league average, I believe, right? 64, 65, right about now. Um, it actually, it might actually be lower, believe it or not, because it's a down year for offense. Oh, okay. So that changes on a yearly basis. Got it. Got it. So yeah, he's completing. Well, last year he was completing sixty five percent of his passes, uh, through for or just over thirty four hundred yards, averaged almost seven yards an attempt, uh, twenty touchdowns, fifteen interceptions. Um, he's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he can move the ball. He can put some points on the board if you give him a run game. You know what I mean? So. Uh, this is going to be really interesting to see because Ron Rivera was very quick to throw his quarterback under the bus, and he tried to walk it back, obviously. But, you know, we'll again, like you said, we'll see how this thing pans out in the end. I think the running backs have a lot to do with this. They can definitely stand to uh, be a little bit more effective. Yeah, and now you got Brian Robinson back. Obviously, we saw what he did the last game. What an incredible story, by the way. Like, not even six, seven weeks ago, the guy gets shot twice in the leg. Now he's out scoring the winning touchdown for Washington, it's crazy, right? And now you got him, you got Antonio Gibson, you got J.D. McKissick. All of a sudden, I I think Washington's going to commit to running the football more with Heineke. I think they're going to be a more balanced offense. My personal opinion with Carson Wentz, yeah, you can blame him for a lot of stuff. But it's not like their offensive line's been world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, Tone. Good point, man. Offensive line's been really shaky. Yeah, they have been – They've given up the most sacks in the league. I think it's still the most sacks. They're either one or two of the most sacks given up, which, again, doesn't help. But how much is that Carson holding the ball too long? How much is that he just doesn't have time to get rid of the football? He's not mobile enough to get away. It's You're going to find out a lot of stuff with Taylor Heineke. It's probably going to be the same story if you're a Washington fan from what you saw over the last two seasons. But that might be a good thing because then you can actually evaluate whether Wentz was the problem or not. Right. And the unfortunate thing about it, you know, from a Philadelphia Eagles perspective, is the fact that we're not going to see Carson once again this season. It's unfortunate. He dodged the bullet. I'm starting to think that maybe this may have been calculated on his part. He didn't want to come back to the Novacare complex. He didn't want to come back to Lincoln Financial Field, Jeff. <laughs> he did not want to deal with that. Well, I'll give Carson Wentz some credit here. He basically did play that whole game with a broken finger. And I mean, yeah, yeah, he did. I'll never get on Carson Wentz for his. His toughness. I I just will not get right. get on him for pretty much what he does on the football field. I mean, Car- Carson Wentz does play through injury. He plays through a, he's been through a lot of crap tone, and that's true. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's it's hard to even count Washington out at this point because they are two and four, <laughs> and they're playing a Green Bay Packers team Sunday. Let's let's be honest here. They don't look as good as they've had. You know, maybe early in the season. They really haven't looked good all year. We want hold on, hold on, Jeff. If the Packers lose to the Commanders, <laughs> if the Packers lose to the Commanders, Jeff, I think we should just we should just pack it in. You know, like the the entire division is getting is getting to the playoffs. Like it's just it's wow. the, the Packers have been obviously disappointing, but if they lose to the Commanders without Carson Wentz, well, that makes them that actually might help the Commanders. But nonetheless, if they lose to the Commanders, then I think this is. The, Matt LaFleur, that entire team needs to be evaluated, checked, drug tested, whatever it may, whatever it is, they need to be, they need to be checked 
there's no way that you lose to the Commanders. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. They can't block. Um, the kid, Bradley Harley can sustain drives. Uh, the defense has been underwhelming. You know, I I think the Eagles, they should be able to take care of business against the, uh, the Packers. Packers lost to the Giants. They lost to the Jets. You know, they've shown that they're vulnerable. But the, Jets, the Giants and Jets are clearly ahead of the Washington Commanders right now. Right now. Who would have thought? Yeah, I, I actually – that's when I started believing in the Giants, when they beat the Packers. I'm like, okay, this Giants seems for real now. But what's Green Bay? Then Green Bay comes out next week, and I knew the Jets would give him a game on Sunday. I didn't actually think they were going to go out there and beat them, you know, block a block a punt for a touchdown, which, by the way, uh, former Eagle safety Will Parks ended up recovering that touchdown, uh, blocking a field goal. It's, there's so many problems on that Green Bay Packers team right now, which makes the Commanders-Packers game intriguing because if you're a commanders fan as bad as that things have looked and there's everything's on daniel snyder right now and rightfully so but you gotta think to yourself you know what could be three and four we're not out of this yet not in a wide open nfc where it feels like anybody could take the last couple playoff spots yeah yeah um i don't know i guess i just i guess i guess my faith in ron rivera's commanders are it's it, it's so low, you know. I think the team to really look out for are the Giants. You know, they're five. They're, they're five and one. They're second in the division. No, nobody would have thought that. You know, I think the Giants and, and, the, and the Cowboys are going to be battling for that final wild card spot. Um, and again, we have so many games left, but they position themselves in such a way that even if they lose more games than they win, they can still have an above five hundred record. Or or, or 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 excuse me, they can have uh, double digit wins, right? So, oh, yeah. so you know the the Giants are in a pretty good position. Uh, the Cowboys, same thing, you know. But ultimately, I think I think last week's game or the game earlier earlier uh, Sunday game against the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think that was sort of a precursor to how the rest of the, this division is going to fall. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it stays just like this in terms of the order. Um, I, I, there's going to be weeks where the Cowboys and the Giants alternate, but I fully anticipate the Philadelphia Eagles uh, stand at the top of the division. By the way, it is amazing what the Giants have done here. I got a couple of my stats up, and this is nuts. Like, because I'm writing about like strengths and weaknesses for every NFC East team, and we'll talk about that tomorrow, Tony, when it gets published for CBS Sports. But this is a very interesting stat about the Giants. I mean, it actually is amazing. They're five and one. By the way, they play Jacksonville this week. The Giants' leading receiver this year is Richie James, right? He's 189 receiving yards. You know Tyreek Hill had more receiving yards in the game than the Giants have had through six leading receivers. That's that's fascinating. But when you you know when you look at a bit further, right, into these numbers, they have one, two, three, four, five players of just above 100 receiving yards. And they're clearly spreading this ball around. Oh yeah, they have no other choice. They have they have no one who's really taking the reins, right? Who's really uh, separated themselves. But that's not even the way this offense is really played or or designed. It's not really designed for these wide receivers to really separate themselves per se. Um, it's more so designed to get the ball to Saquon and everyone else just run your route. And if you're open, you're open. Um, but yeah, the Giants, man, they I I think they 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 know how to win their way. They're fairly they're fairly one dimensional on offense for sure, um, but the thing is you have to stop them. 
you have to out-coach their coach, a guy who knows how to put his players in good position, you know. And I think they are going to challenge the Eagles. You know, they're, they're going to make them sweat a little bit. But I think the Eagles are just a far superior team through and through. Um, th- that game is probably going to come down to situational football, uh, decision-making um, by the head coaching staff, and just overall execution. And they, like I said, they played Jacksonville this week. And I rewatched their game against the Ravens on Sunday. I did that. I did a lot of football watching yesterday. Man, did the Ravens beat themselves. They had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Okay, Giants have a nice touchdown drive. Fine. Lamar Jackson could not make the throw on third down he made. And he did. And the Giants basically took the ball to the nine-yard line, and it was easy for them to punch it in. And then Lamar fumbled. I mean, really, the Giants are just – Opportunistic. Yeah, yeah, they're opportunistic. They are – I'm trying to think of the best – phrase here but they're not beating themselves they're letting other teams lose football games that's why they have three double digit comeback wins on the year they're very disciplined yeah, they are and it, it's a weird team like like i said i put out that tyreek hill stat they only have i think it's one interception or two interceptions on the entire year it's they don't get a lot of turnovers they're not they're not a sexy team but oh. but they win and they play a Jacksonville team that plays like them, essentially. The last three weeks, Jacksonville hasn't looked good. But, I mean, the Jaguars, they're kind of figuring some things out right now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is not off to that hot start anymore. I think teams are kind of getting a read on him. But Travis Etienne looks like he's a player again. You know, he's averaging 5.6 yards per carry this year. And Jacksonville was hurt at wide receiver. What's – What's going to be interesting Sunday, Tone, when the Giants play the Jaguars, the Jaguars' defense has really struggled over the last couple weeks, but don't don't the Giants feel like a get-right game for them? Uh, It has to be. That's the thing, right? You know, they haven't really been the same team since they played the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't know if they were still shell-shocked by the way they lost that game. Um, I'm not sure if if, if it scarred them a little bit. But, you know, I think this has to be the get-right game for them. but the Giants, again, they're, they're no pushover. This is this game, another game that's going to come down to coaching, execution, and situational football. You know, the, the, the Jaguars have struggled with retaining possession. They've turned the ball over many times over the past few weeks. And the Giants, they don't get a lot of turnovers, but they capitalize off of your mistakes. So if you leave it out there to dry, if you, if you, if, if, if you leave it out there to hang, they're going to snatch it. You know, the Giants are a team that will go after the low-hanging fruit. You know, and, 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 and that's not a slight on them, you know, because they don't, for, you know, they don't really force teams into the mistake. They let you make it and then they capitalize off of it. You know, that's, you know, that's what makes them so, that's what, that's what makes them so opportunistic. And then you, it makes you think about how dominant the Eagles have been because the way they've forced turnovers and they forced teams into mistakes and they've been dictating the outcome and being proactive instead of reactive. And, you know, their turnover differential is so massive in comparison to the rest of the league. You know, like there's something to be said about opportunistic defense. And I feel like both, all three, as a matter of fact, all three teams in the NFC East, uh, Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles, they they have very opportunistic defenses. Now the Cowboys get Detroit this week. This is kind of a – I like – if this is the week Dak Prescott comes back, and it certainly looks like it is – I, I, I kind of like Dak Prescott coming back against his defense. I, I feel like the Lions are the perfect 
and the Dota, I guess, are the perfect matchup for Dak to kind of get back in the swing of things. I mean, this is another get-right game by Dallas. They're four and two. They're two games back of the Eagles, but it's really three because the Eagles own the tiebreaker. To me, Tone, it's – I mean, the Giants should clean this team up, but I'm not – Detroit ain't a push over here. They're coming off a bye week. They're getting guys healthy. Their defense still isn't good, but Dallas has, a, has an opportunity here to prove, hey, you know what? Our defense can get sacks, can get pressures against a, a good offensive line because Detroit has one of them. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, well, let me ask you this. Are they getting DeAndre Swift back? Because DeAndre Swift is a, and is a it was a huge loss for them um, a couple games ago, a few games ago, and then losing a mind, Ross and Brown. That's their offense, basically. You know, and the Detroit Lions, they, believe it or not, have one of the more explosive offenses uh, in the NFL. I think they lead the, lead the league in, like, total offense, something like that, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but – you know, that, that that's a team that you have to account for. The Detroit Lions aren't a team that you can just push over anymore. Um, I think they are better than what their record says. So it's going to be a fascinating game to watch for the Dallas Cowboys, especially with Dak Prescott coming back. Um, this you, you can make an argument that this is the perfect tune-up game for Dak. But, again, I don't think Dak is going to be 100% at all um, this season. Um, I fully anticipate Dak to make more mistakes um, to try to overcompensate uh, you know, for that thump. And, you know, we'll see how it pans out. You know, we have our guy Kevin Bullard um, behind the scenes. He, he just got here. And I'm really curious to see what his thoughts are about this upcoming Giants and Jags matchup and, you know, the Cowboys and the uh, and the Lions because both those teams are now jockeying for second fiddle in the NFC East. And anything can change. We have a lot of games left. But, you know, before we hit that break, Jeff, what do you think – the outcome of those games will be. And, you know, I know it's pretty early in the week, but, you know, again, this is a really important game for Dallas. This is an important game for the Giants as well if they want to keep pace. So, you know, if both teams lose, then that that creates more space between them and the Eagles. Well, it's definitely way too early because uh, I don't make picks till Friday. Uh, I right. Like you said, I got to wait till DeAndre Swift comes back. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to be back this week because they did have the bye week to rest up. Mom Ross St. Brown's healthy. I – for the Lions, I'm curious to know whenever the heck Jameson Williams is going to step on the football field because he's on the, the PUP list. You know, will he be back to practicing? I, I, I know everybody thought maybe it'd be four or five games, but, you know, the timeline here after the bye, I mean, the Lions, they're deep on offense, especially with receiver with Josh Brown, with DJ Chark, with Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, a tight end. They could really use the Jameson Williams. Like, it's crazy how they're fourth in the NFL in scoring and they were shut out. Think about that. That that is so crazy to me, you know. But and, and like I said, I know it's too early. But well, then what's your thoughts on the actual fact that if both these teams lose and they create that much more space between them and the Eagles, you know, what's your thoughts on that aspect of it? Well, both them lose. I mean, the Eagles they they can go out for blood next week uh, with Pittsburgh and Houston, and then I'm not gonna say it's over, but man, it's. I mean, it's Eagles schedule. Hard. I mean, look at it. It's, it doesn't seem like they can. It doesn't seem the slightest unfavorable. <laughs> no, like that stretch with Indianapolis, Green Bay, and Tennessee will, and the Giants will be their toughest test of the year. And it's easily a stretch. Eagles can go three and one with their talent. It's very possible. Hey, you guys heard it here first. He's Jeff Kerr. I'm your guy, Tone DeShills the second. We have our guy, Kevin Bullard, behind the scenes coming up right after the break. Keep it locked, you guys. You guys are locked in on Good Morning NFC East.
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Score and save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com. Back in the house. You know, I'm living on cloud nine right now with Philadelphia sports and my sports teams. But, I mean, come on, man. I, I'm checking into the press box at Lincoln Financial Field Sunday, and I'm watching the Giants game, and the security guard's like, oh, my God, they're going to win. I said, I know this is crazy. Like, they had no business being the Ravens Sunday, and yet they pulled it off again. Jeff, if I told you we'd be sitting here on the show – you know, heading into week seven and the Giants would be five and one and I wouldn't have an inch of wiggle room to talk a little smack with you. Um, I wouldn't be able to explain how that would be possible, but 
not the the rest of the world. I don't know if there's news for you. The rest of the world isn't rooting for the Philadelphia sports takeover, man. We the Eagles and the Phillies and even the Flyers now. They, one of them, they they got to lose. They got to lose. At least the Sixers lost last night to make things more interesting, right? The Sixers were not losing on basically Bill. I we're not winning on Bill Russell night. That that's how, that's how I approach that game. I'm like, you know what? There's there's no way the Celtics are going to lose on this night, not especially with the way they played, but. Uh, overall, I, I got to say, if I had to pick a win between those teams, it was going to be the Phillies, and I got it. So I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I, I'm glad you can just take your pick, which team ever you want to win, because uh, none of them lose anymore, apparently. Well, you know, we were joking in the CBS Sports Room on, on Sunday when the Giants and the Jets won. We're like, oh, wow, New Jersey teams are 9-3. and three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad that the Jets are kind of, uh, you know – thriving a little bit they kind of got lumped in like we've talked about a couple times on this show but a couple years ago about how bad the nfc east was and how everyone was making memes and jokes about them like there were just as many jokes last year about how the giants and the jets are so bad and have been so bad for so many years so to see the jets kind of get a little uh shine you know they got their turn to beat the packers so you know hey the giants could share a little bit of love yeah i'll tell you what though when are the Giants going to lose, really? I, I mean, this is kind of a trap game for them, right, on Sunday against Jacksonville? Uh, you know, it's funny you say that, Jeff, because you can legitimately look at the Eagles' schedule and be like, when are they going to lose and have a hard time finding it. But come on, you can't watch these six Giants games and think, when are they going to lose? Like, any, any at a moment's notice, it looks like they could lose, but they somehow keep winning. And I feel like this game against Jacksonville is – I don't know if it's the trap game or if it's just kind of the pendulum game, I guess you could call it, because every game they've been, uh, you know, they were, I think, nine point underdogs against the Packers. They were five and a half point underdogs at home against the Ravens. But you can make arguments for each of that. Like this week, they're, I think, a two and a half point underdog going to Jacksonville, who's two and four. And the Giants are five and one. It's just insane disrespect. But now everyone, every Giants fan out there is kind of making a point of it and saying, oh, this is crazy disrespect. They don't think we're going to win. They don't gonna think we're going to win. That's when you lose. That's when you lose. When you start thinking, oh, how could we lose the two and four Jaguars? They stink. Like, I feel like I've seen some moments out of Trevor Lawrence this year where uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him put it together against the Giants. And, you know, that, that would be – that would be the way the pendulum tends to swing. They are such an enigma to me, the Giants. Um, you know, I, I pointed out a stat earlier. Their lead wide receiver is Richie James with 189 yards. Tyreek Hill had 190 yards in the game this year. They they don't do anything sexy at all. Like they, their defense doesn't get turnovers. Not not really, unless Lamar Jackson's causing them. And the the giveaway takeaway margin isn't great. Uh, I mean, a lot of the things you would think of. When you see a five and one football team, they're not, but here they are. They separated themselves from essentially that m mediocre NFL that it, it, it feels like that should be the story of the year this year. And it's not. Yeah, it's definitely one of them. I think the reason maybe it isn't Jeff is because people aren't like, people are afraid to jump on the bandwagon because it's not like they've looked great. So it's kind of hard to draw like a really defined strong take, like the strongest takes that you've seen from like the national media on the giants so far this year are like people apologizing who to Daniel Jones or, you know, like saying like, Oh, I guess we, we didn't really know the, 
we we drew the our conclusion too soon on him or other players. I've seen a few about Andrew Thomas as well, like guys who looked like busts, Gettleman guys who all of a sudden you get a little bit better coaching, maybe a little better team building with Joe Shane, and all of a sudden they look good. I also think that has something to do with like guys like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley being in a contract year. Like this is your last chance. You've got to perform now. If you don't, you know, good luck on the open market next year. But I think that there's a few things that help. Saquon Barkley is looking like, if not the best, one of the best players in the league right now. Um, Daniel Jones isn't losing the game. He's not turning the ball over. He only has two interceptions and he hasn't had one in I think three games. So those are two big ones that keep the game close at the end. And then at the end, Daniel Jones is making, like you said, not sexy plays, but winning plays. And then the defense, Wink Martindale has done a great job disguising his pressures, uh, you know, really confusing the quarterbacks that they've gone up against. And they've gone up against some good ones. And Lamar Jackson, and Aaron Rodgers, that's the past three MVP winners in those two players. So um, I, I think the defense is legit. Yeah, I do. And I do this for weeks. That the Giants are a well-coached team. Saquon Barkley had an easy touchdown at the end of that game Sunday, and he did the famous Brian Westbrook. Let's slide. I got the first down. The game game's over. Like, wh- why would you want to give Lamar Jackson another chance to get the football and potentially beat you? Yeah, I saw some people, and I don't know if they maybe had Saquon on their fantasy team, saying like, "Oh, well, going up eleven is just as much ice in the game as it's like." No, nah, it's not really because you got to give them the ball back. And what if they score quick and they can kick an onside kick? I understand it's like a far off possibility. It's like a 1% chance of that happening, but Saquon going down there basically makes it a 0% chance of the Ravens winning. So it was a smart play. Um, I wonder if, if maybe if Saquon scores there, people see a final score instead of 24 to 20, they see 31 to 20. And maybe they're like, wow, maybe the giants are like, you know, legit, you know, that would have been their first 30 point game. I think where all the points were scored by the offense since like 2019. So you know, that would have felt a little different um, had he gotten into the end zone on that play. But overall, like, I think that that this, that shows why the giants are winning is because Saquon's playing good football and he's playing smart football too. And he's taking care of his body. He's clearly got a shoulder injury. That's like, it looks like his shoulder just kind of on some hits, his arm just goes dead, but he'll come out for a couple plays. And then he comes back. I got a feeling like, okay, he's going to fumble the ball at some point. He's going to get hit in that shoulder. His arm's going to go dead. And he's going to fumble the ball. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, it's just kind of like one of these giant seasons where you're like, eh, all these bad things could happen, but they haven't happened yet. Do you think the Giants will make a move at the deadline? Do you think they'll try to upgrade that wide receiver or any of these areas where they have a lot of deficiencies? Man, that's such a good question. And I think that, you know what? I bet you that Brian Dable and Joe Shane are asking each other the exact same question. Because I don't think for one second they thought they were going to be 5-1 and one at this point, looking like a winning team heading into the trade deadline. Because I think they were definitely going to be sellers. I think they were going to be showing off the, hopefully at the time, Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley. I think that the heading into the season, there was really, you know, not a lot on paper to feel super confident about Daniel Jones. Um, but Daniel Jones is overperforming. Uh, the offensive line has been letting pressure through, but it's, it's come together faster than I think anyone could have expected. And the defense has made a leap. So I think that they found themselves in this very strange situation where all of a sudden they might be looked at as buyers when they were going in the season and planning to be sellers. Although the only, um, I really think that they, they want to make it through this season without incurring like another big contract. 
because they don't have a lot of room to, this year and they want to limit how much, um, you know, they dip into their coffers for next year and the year after. So I don't expect them to make a big splashy play. Um, but I do think that fans are going to want to see something if they're still in, in the mix. I mean, there's been Odell Beckham Jr. buzz all year. Um, like Josina Anderson says that she's, he would consider the giants. I, I find that a little harder to believe just because I know how much money is a factor for him. And I just don't know what the giants can do on that front, but I think most likely the giants still see themselves as sellers. And I think Kadarius Tony is the biggest piece on the potential trading block. Even though it does look like, uh, okay, we're going to play a game, right? Now. List your seven playoff teams in the NFC. Okay. All right. Um, Eagles are looking like the number one seed. Uh, and if you look at their schedule, I really, they've got an inside track for that. I, I don't know how they kind of lose that. I think that the Vikings are going to win the NFC North. And that was a crazier thing. When I said that on your show, I think two, three weeks ago, that was a crazier sounding thing, but now it's not. When you look at the Packers, the bears and the lions, that's actually kind of a weak division all of a sudden. Um, NFC South is anyone's guess man i i think that the the buccaneers are probably the odds on favorite but they're three and three right now tied with the falcons and the west is is just as much of a question mark so like i said we've said it a couple times i wouldn't be surprised if the giant or the nfc east because of the way those schedules are and and the mediocrity around the league i wouldn't be surprised if three of those teams get into the playoffs i definitely think two are right now it looks good with the giants at five and one um but i'm gonna go with uh yeah, let's say the Giants and the Cowboys both make it, and then that leaves room for one more. Gosh, man, no one jumps off. I guess either the Rams or the 49ers or the Seahawks, you know, whoever the second-place team is in that division. And, and it still could be the Cardinals, for all I know. Like, dude, those that that whole division could flip on its head, and then uh, the NFC South is, is unpredictable as well. We're not believing in the Falcons here at three and three? I believe in them more than some other people that I speak with. Um, I actually had a prediction to our – uh, friend Jordan Dijani, he's a big Saints guy, been a big Jameis guy for a while. And I told him, you know, I bet you the Falcons will be better. So I sent him a screenshot of the standings today or Monday where the Falcons are three and three and the Saints are two and four. It's obviously not the end, but you know, I can't pass on an opportunity to dunk on a colleague like that. Oh no, I, I wouldn't look, I, I've been dunking on the Saints all year and I like the talent on that team, but I can't stand their head coach. Dennis Allen should not be a head coach in this league. Point blank. That was that was kind of my take with, uh, you know, I think that there are some things that people just completely overlook. And I think that coaching, I mean, the Giants are a perfect example of this. Like, look at the impact of coaching. Like, you can't – I think that is a big reason too, Jeff, that people are afraid to jump on the Giants is because it's been – so intangible the reasons why they've been winning it's a lot of the reasons of the coaching and so people are so used to just saying like oh team x is good because quarterback y is good or they have a running back or they have the best defense and when you don't have any of those things and all of a sudden you have to explain why a team is winning and it's the coaching all of a sudden is very hard to explain for the common fan you know so um yeah, I think that when you lose a coach of Sean Payton's caliber, like the Saints did, you don't just get better overnight. You know, you, you're going to take a step back. That, that's my opinion. I, I I can't think of another team, you know, in, you know, since 2000. I'm sure there's been one that's just like moved on to a new coach and was just was a good team before, got a new coach and just kind of like kept sailing. You know, I, I think of um, like George Seifert or um, the um, – 
Barry Switzer, like, but those are old, you know, like think of a newer uh, example of that. There isn't I, I one mean, that I can think I mean, of. Really, what is, and I know it fell on the Eagles face, but I mean, Chip Kelly was 20 and 12 his first two years here. And the Eagles looked like they were going to be still very good. They had the talent, but you're right. That, that fell on their face. They had to rebuild under Doug Peterson. So that, that was three, four years after Andy Reid. Yeah. I can't think of one, but there, there's a team that I, I think right now, and I, I'll tell you what, I think there's more fever in Seattle for their football team than ever based on how surprising they've been and how bad Russell Wilson has been. Because I think Seahawks fans got tired of hearing, and they loved Russell Wilson. Oh, Pete Carroll's not a good coach. Well, no, I think Pete Carroll is a coach, and I think Shane Waldron's a good offensive coordinator. It's Russ just didn't buy into what they were selling anymore. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And I think that um, – I think that, yeah, it's funny how many things are kind of coming to fruition. Like, uh, you know, a lot of narratives in terms of uh, coaches and uh, quarterbacks who, okay, was it this or that? Remember a couple of years ago, was oh, is it Brady or Belichick? And then Brady goes down to Tampa Bay and wins without Belichick. It's like we're kind of seeing the opposite of that with the Seattle situation with Pete Carroll and, uh, you know, the Broncos now yeesh, with uh, Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I uh, – I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, what do you think about uh, like, so do you still, do you, do you see as an Eagles fan uh, or do you think that the, the NFC East is like a one team race now? I kind of heard you and tone talking about this and uh, before you went to break, like, or do you see it? Like I see it, like I see it like a three team race as a Giants fan, but I don't know, man, after that Eagles Cowboys game. You know? I, I think they have the opportunity to gain some, Ground. But again, the Giants control a lot of this because one, Eagles don't play until December. They don't play until after Thanksgiving. So the Giants can stick around here and make this these games bigger. But we all know what the Giants are going to be. What, 9-3? Uh, you know, at, at the very worst, that you know, going into that game, I mean, they could go into a free fall based on how they play. They play with fire every week. Uh, Dallas, to me, it's, the Eagles are up pretty much three games because they beat, yeah. they beat them already. And they have the tiebreaker. And I got to be honest, Kevin, I just – I think the Cowboys are a really good team. But, man, I was in that locker room Sunday night, and there's so much mug in there. They're, they're just like, well, if we had Dak, we would have won. They sound like they're fans. Like, dude, I want to hear – the Eagles want a Super Bowl for backup quarterback. Right, right. I – uh I agree. I do think that the Cowboys, you also have to remember like what, what was the narrative coming into the season? You know, like everyone thought, okay, Dallas is going to run away with this division. They're the most talented, best team on paper. Um, maybe the Eagles are a wild card. The giants and the commanders will stink. And so right now you got the Cowboys all of a sudden in third place with four and two. So they've got to feel a certain way. They've got to be like, Hey, four and two isn't bad considering we haven't had our our starting quarterback since week one. Like, you know, yeah, the Eagles are 6-0 and during this time, but, like, how about you come see us at full strength? I do kind of understand that to an extent, but again, at the end of the day, your record is your record, and you're right. Like, you might be down your starting quarterback, but another team's, you know, got three injuries in their secondary or something, you know? Like, I feel like we're so arbitrary with sometimes, like, the quarterback injuries because everyone views it as a quarterback-driven league, and I get into this argument all the time with people where – Oh, their quarterback is hurt. So, um, you know, that's an excuse why they're not moving down in the power rankings or whatever, because um, when they're, when they're healthy, they're, they're a top five team. It's like, okay, but they're not healthy. You know, like the Cowboys 
don't have a healthy Dak Prescott. And what makes you think, I heard Tone mention this as well, like what makes you think Dak Prescott's going to be the best version of Dak Prescott after not playing for a month and having a thumb injury that's going to, that has impact the way he grips the football, you know, like that's not, you can't just really overlook that. I know that they're definitely being careful and making sure like, okay, are you gripping the football right? But dude, he hasn't been hit in a month. Like that's going to take some time to, I think, get back in the groove. Um, and Cooper Rush until the Eagles game was playing well, you know? No, he was. And, uh, you know, I, I said this to a couple of players, like, you, know, you you have a right to be confident with Cooper because he's he did his job. You went, I never would have guessed the Cowboys would have went 4-1 with Cooper Rush. Uh, I, I never would have guessed that. And he played so well for them. They were very efficient. But you could see, I guess the Rams game really exposed it a bit. He was vulnerable. He was what he was. He was a serviceable backup quarterback that all you had to do was really get pressure on him and force him to play from behind, which the Rams couldn't do, but the Eagles could. And, like, Dallas looked at that game like, oh, we were down 23 and came back, and I, I just said, well, no, not really, because comebacks, you got to take the lead. You made it interesting, but then the Eagles basically put their foot on the gas and beat you down again. So I, Yeah, it, I would say the Cowboys won one quarter. They won the third yeah. quarter, and then the Eagles won the other three. So it's not really worth bragging about. Yeah, they did make it interesting for, for a short period there, but if you watch that game and it's in its – entirety you can't come away thinking anything other than the eagles dominated them you know that was that was utter domination in my opinion and yeah i mean they didn't have their starting quarterback but like wasn't really an excuse for the first few weeks or when they were winning so i i don't know i think that i, I was kind of up in the air on those three defenses i know we've talked about that too like the eagles the giants and the cowboys all seem like they have good defenses this year which i think is awesome that's throwback nfc east i think it's what makes you know these teams like it's a lot of their identity um not just this year but historically so um i am now team eagles i think they have the best defense after seeing what they did against the cowboys i think that that secondary has a potential to be like one of those do they have a nickname yet like that's what i'm saying like Legion of Boom. No, 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 no. I guess you can call no the secondary. Fly zone. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I guess you can call secondary no fly zone, but that's already been done though. They need a new one. They need a new one, and I don't know what it could be, but they better start talking about it now. I mean, quietly, you know, maybe in the locker room, you know, leak that out to the media, or the media has got to start working on whatever the nickname is. You know, they probably shouldn't nickname themselves. The, the only right. notable thing that the, the Eagles have done in on, on defense in terms of story headlines is. Interviewing James Bradbury and Darius Lake. And I, I have a question for you all. How the Giants let you leave that locker room? And like Bradbury takes it so humbly. Like the, the other day, uh, Zach McPherson, uh, everybody was, he, he, his locker's right next to Slay and Bradbury. He goes, oh man, everybody's going over seeing them again. You know, all they do is play well every single week. And you know, everybody just kind of laughs at them. Like you, know, you can tell they have fun, but it, it's, it really is a team effort with that defense. Well, the thing that really blows me away about those two is like, well, first of all, there's two of them. So you can't just, if you're a quarterback, you can't just avoid one and throw at the other one because they're both like, it's kind of like having two number one corners. Um, and like, they make so many plays. Like a lot of times when you're, uh, you have a great cornerback, you don't hear him. And that means he's doing good because he's not being targeted or, you know, the, the receiver's just not getting open. Like, no, like James Bradbury had like four pass breakups in the first half of the Cowboys game. And like Darius Slay was all over the ball as well. And then even like the other guys, like Chauncey Garner, Garner Johnson, I think he had an interception in the game, didn't he? Or yeah, he, he had a tip ball at least. 
Yeah, it was like, dude, how is that guy like they're I didn't even realize he's playing is he playing safety for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah they moved him because they got Avante Max in the slot. Yeah, that's like an insane amount of talent that you have someone of that level who was like one of the best slot corners in the league the last couple of years. All of a sudden, oh yeah, you can play safety for us, I guess. Like you just got so many guys who can catch the ball back there or, or get their hands on the ball at the very least. And you know, the pressure up front is no slouch too. That was kind of where I was split with them in the Cowboys. I kind of like the Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. Um Pass rush duo a little bit better. I don't know if maybe the Eagles have two guys that are on that level, but dude, they were getting after it. And and they've always had Fletcher Cox, good player, Derek Barnett. So I mean, they've had guys up there. Maybe we have just kind of like yeah, we're jaded or, or like uh, non-Eagles fans kind of say, oh yeah, that guy's been around for for years now, right. like type of thing, you know. Whereas Micah Parsons is still new and it's like fun and exciting, you know. Yeah, I love Micah Parsons, but he was making a lot of excuses for the stat I put up this week where he didn't have a sack. He only had three pressures in the game. Oh, by the way, all those pressures came when Lane Johnson was out of the game. And Jack Driscoll, who a lot of people thought he dominated, actually he didn't. Uh, Driscoll only allowed one pressure to Micah Parsons, but the Eagles took that third quarter to pretty much adjust their offensive line and their philosophy because Johnson was out. But Parsons is like, oh, yeah, I, I get more than you think. I get more than box score said. I'm like, dude, I watched the game. You did not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where was the impact? Because the Eagles pretty much did whatever they wanted. Um, I would say, um, or I want to ask you, I don't know if you saw, I think it was Chris Long who tweeted it. And it was like the Megamind meme of like yeah. single – you know what I'm talking about? Where it yeah. was like single uh, team, Micah Parsons, double team, Micah Parsons, uh, build your whole game plan around Micah Parsons. It's like, don't block. And then like the, the ultimate one was like, don't block him at all. So he has to like stop and think about where he's supposed to be on the field. And it freezes him for a second. Like, do you think that the Eagles kind of figured something out with Micah Parsons? Like no one's been able to figure this guy out. And like yeah. the Eagles totally uh, neutralized them almost by like giving him less attention than ever before. I honestly think they made him guess like they, they were running pass plays to his side. Cause it's like, Oh, I got to cover this guy or I got to do this or no, I can't do the one thing I want to do, which is go after the quarterback. The one thing is going to make me money. And I, I made a joke in the press box in third quarter. I'm like, you know, Micah Parsons has probably done more in terms of all, um, taunting penalties than he actually has making an impact on this game. And <laughs> I, I loved it. Like he, Jack Stoll had that big completion early in the game. Because that was Micah Parsons' guy, and he's probably like, there's no way Jack Stoll's getting the football. Jack Stoll got the football. Then all of a sudden, you have to think about that. And maybe it's because the Eagles have those weapons that can neutralize a really great player like him. It's totally speculative, but who do you think is like, who do you think is most to, to thank for that? Do you think it's the personnel, like having a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts, or do you think it's like, do, was this something you think Sirianni or Steichen saw like in film and we're like, let's give this a shot. Like no one else has done it yet. It, it might be both. It, it's like, okay, we have the personnel where we can do this. So that's what I'm thinking. Uh, all I know is this. Again, love Micah Parsons, think he's a top three defensive player in football. But if someone tells me, He's better than Nick Bosa. I'm just going to laugh. I'm like, no, no, he's not. Nick Bosa does this every single week. When Nick Bosa has a bad game, he gets a sack. And look, I'm not even counting T.J. Watt in this because T.J. Watt's hurt. But, yeah. I, I, I mean, look, it, to me, it's Watt-Bosa-Parsons right now. It, it, if I had to go by – and, and I, I can't even keep – I'm just going off pure pass rushers. Like, Aaron Donald, to me, is more than a pass rusher. Yeah, 
True. Yeah, I would have no argument with you there. Um, but I'm also a Cowboys hater, so uh, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and, and stump for Micah Parsons. He's a good player. Uh dude, I wanna real quick, uh I saw your tweet um kind of teasing this and uh you asked, does do the commanders automatically become a better team now that Carson Wentz is out with a finger injury? And I'm 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 not going to say that they're a better team because on paper, I don't think that they are, but I've mentioned it before on the show and I'll mention it again in this Taylor Heineke. Is he definitely going to be the starter? Yes. he's Taylor Heineke. You could get the backup quarterback effect, which we've talked about before the Nick Foles effect. I've called it where everyone kind of goes, all right, time to rally the troops and we all have to play one or 2% harder. And, you know, maybe you find a takeaway here or there. And like Taylor Heineke is a juice guy, dude. Like people, those players like Taylor Heineke. He's probably the opposite of Carson Wentz in terms of like how he's viewed in the locker room. And yeah, I think that he can win, maybe not by making a crazy play. Um, I know he likes to run and dive for that pylon. Uh, he's done it a few times, but I think that, um, you know, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, Carson Wentz has six, six interceptions in six games. So, you know, if he doesn't turn the ball over, he's given his team a better chance than Carson Wentz was. It doesn't matter how many plays he does make, um, but they're going to have to play good defense and run the ball. Well, um, uh, in order to win, they're playing the Packers, I think this week, like, Yep. We've seen the Packers are a beatable team. So um, I wouldn't be surprised. And then if they're three and four, you know, a game under 500, I'm not saying they're back in the race, but it's at least they're not completely out of it. If, it, if they're three and four after this week, you know? Well, that's the thing. And I always say too, if, if you can name, like if I ask someone to name all 32 backup quarterbacks in the league, if you can name a certain teams right away, you probably have a good one. Yeah, very true. Very good point. And not only that, like Heineke has started for this team under this coaching staff. Like, you know, a lot of, if not for the money that that Carson Wentz brought with him there, I wonder if like it would have been more of an open quarterback battle. Like they kind of just committed themselves to Carson Wentz, I feel like because of just I don't really know why uh, other than the financials of it. Like there's really no reason why they would. All right. Yeah. We're definitely going with him over Heineke. Like Heineke is kind of a fan favorite. It's weird too, because I thought this team last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm like, okay, they could get into the playoffs again with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt and Heineke leads into a seven and eight record. It's like, okay, that's what they were. Now you're going to get the fair evaluation of, okay, is our offensive line really this bad? Mm. Are our wide receivers this inconsistent? Can we not get the ball at tight ends? Or, you know, is our offense really discombobulated? Or was it really Carson Wentz holding on to the football too long? You're going to find out a lot in the next six weeks. I think I think you will too. And I, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Um, again, I still see it as like a three-team race, race right now. But I could see it getting interesting. I could see the Giants kind of, you know, falling a little bit down to earth and Washington getting hot with Heineke. So... We'll see. I just hope that the, it stays tight. You know, I don't want the Eagles to pull away with this thing. And then I just got to sit here and watch the race to 17 and oh, man, that's not, that's not the type of season I want to be following. I, I just don't think, I, I'm sorry. I don't see them going 17 and oh, it's the what? NFL. You're, you're going to stumble at some point. Where's the loss? I, I ask you, I implore you to point to the loss. On the I, 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 I keep trying to tell myself that I'm like, <laughs> look, you're going to lose a game to a team they shouldn't lose to. And then you look at every team and you watch these teams every week. You're like, boy, this team stinks. Boy, this team stinks. And I, 
I know the Eagles play well. I mean, like, you know, if you were looking at this blind, you'd think, oh, maybe the Steelers, they haven't looked great. You know, they'll play, maybe the they'll Colts, play them tough. I'll say that because it's Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Colts, uh, they've taken a step back. The Packers, they've taken a step back. The Titans, they're not what they were. So, yeah, I don't really know, man. I do not know where the loss is on the Eagles schedule. And that's really Giants. frustrating for Kevin me. The Giants, week 14. Yeah, that's what it is. It's clearly week 14 and week 18. I see two losses very, very clear on the schedule. Those, those are the only ones, though. I, I will guarantee you this. If there's any game I think the Eagles will not lose this year, it's the Chicago Bears, which I'll probably eat my words for that. But they should not lose to that team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just thought of this. If the Giant, if the Eagles are seven, uh, 16 and 0 going into week 18 and the Giants beat them and ruin their perfect season, I might take more individual joy and pleasure out of that win than when the Giants ruin the Patriots. Even if it's Carter Minshew and, you know, the, the, you know, the Motley crew. If they're going like for an undefeated season, you think they'll play backups? The Colts did it. <laughs> That was the, by the way, I was so mad when they did that, when they put in Jim Sorge and those guys. I'm like, oh my God, just win the game, Jim. Like, what are you doing? I know. I know. Well, we'll see. I I guess, I guess that's a decision. How about that? Yeah. In week six. Oh, should the, should the Eagles uh, rest their starters if they're going for an undefeated season in week 18? That is just such a high analysis. (laughs) I, I have to laugh at that. Have you ever been to Hard Rock Stadium, Kevin? No. Oh, you know what the Dolphins have in there, right? Uh, what? No, I can only imagine. So they put nine Super Bowl Super Bowl seven champions, and on the bottom it says nineteen seventy two, the lone perfect season. Yeah. What a savage move. I mean, it's true though. Like they're the only heard, season. I heard the guys who are still around from that team, like every year, will pop a bottle of champagne when the last undefeated team uh, loses. So. The Eagles are that team. I guess the what the remaining uh, members of the '72 Dolphins. All eyes are on the Eagles and their schedule. Do you watch? Do you still watch NFL primetime? By the way, uh, from time to time, yeah. It's obviously not what it used to be, but for sure, it's still good. I still like when the last winless team wins at Berman pops the champagne. <laughs> that is awesome. It is. That's a good stick. Yeah, it, it really like. There's some really good sticks. Like you know, um, what was it he did on Sunday? Brees Hall, when he did the misdirection touchdown, he goes, one direction. I'm like, all right, Urban, you still got it. It's He does still got it. I'm sure he's got a team of ESPN writers helping him. But, uh, the, you know, the, the, I, whole, the whole Giants thing, every time he says Giants, he has to go, Giants? Giants? <laughs> like, every week he does man. it. Yeah, man, that was like the soundtrack of my childhood. <laughs> it, 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 it still is a good I do recommend, like, if you want to watch, like, just actual highlights just go to espn plus it's just straight 45 well before red zone that was my thing man like that gap in between the four o'clock games when they would end and before the uh, sunday night game starts used to be nfl primetime like you get like 60 to 90 minutes of highlights right there and you know now it kind of loses its luster because you see it all so fast on social media and on uh and on red zone and it's weird too because there's no hot takes in it it's just him and booger mcfarland essentially just say, seeing what they saw, they're going like as the games are coming in, like when Chiefs Bills are coming in on Sunday, it was right after the game. I'm watching it on my iPad and Berman's like, Oh, okay. We're going to do this now. Oh, yeah. it's over? okay. Wait, we're in. It's Chiefs Bills. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you, man, I, I could run to 
two hours listening to the NFL primetime music. Same, same here. It's the only thing that it powers me. It fuels me through my day. I just have it playing in my ears 24 hours. I only take it out for this show, but. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I see how this will. Uh, once again, Kevin, I appreciate you. Uh, heavy on, heavy on giants, Kevin Boiler. You can catch him on there. He's going to be on every Wednesday, break down the NC East. And uh, maybe I got to stop putting him on because the giants just keep winning. Maybe, maybe yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is, Jeff. It's. I don't think I think they've only lost once since I brought you on here. I know, I know. So keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. Once again, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, catch you later. All right. And I got about maybe a minute or two to wrap this up here, man. We went long on that segment, but that's all right. That's what happens when you talk NFL primetime, guys. Uh, Kevin's right, though. Like, I know it's crazy to think about it, but when are the Eagles going to lose? I can't figure it out. I know I talk about this every day, but it seems even crazier. Like, when are they going to lose? And I got to look this up here real quick for you guys. So, where are the Giants going? I know it looks like they can lose every single week. I thought they'd lose this week. They didn't. So let's look at the Giants' schedule here, just out of curiosity. Okay. At Jacksonville, at Seattle. That's a really tough stretch. They got one and one in that stretch. Huge. Uh, Seattle's definitely a pushover. That's a 425 game next week. That will be very interesting. Um, I think that'll be after the Eagles game, now that I think about it. Um, so. I think Eagles are a one and the Giants are a four. Then they got the bye week and they got Houston at home, Detroit at home. That's a stretch where minimum two and two. So seven and three. Then at Dallas on Thanksgiving versus the Commanders versus the Eagles, at the Commanders, at the Vikings versus the Colts, at the Eagles. They got a tough schedule the rest of the way. Uh, there's definitely no pushovers here. Like, Giants win nine games, it's it's already going to be impressive. I mean, what they're already doing now is impressive, but I think they got to win this game Sunday to keep pace at Jacksonville. I think that's a tough game for them. I do, because even though Jacksonville hasn't played well in the last three weeks, they're not supposed to be good this year. Doug Peterson's still figuring things out. If he can get Trevor Lawrence back on track and that defense can actually get a stop, something they haven't done, that's going to be tough. And then you got Seattle, who's right in the thick of the NFC West race. Anybody can win the NFC West right now. Cardinals are getting DeAndre Hopkins back. They're going to be on Thursday Night Football this week. We'll see if they're any better. Doubt it. But, you know, Giants are 5-1. They're 5-0 outside of the, of the NFC East. They only played one in the NFC East game. They did lose it to Dallas. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Is it a three-team race or is it a one-team race? Like, I think... Or is it a three-team race, like Kevin said? It's going to be very interesting. But um, be sure to go on the CBSSports.com today. I am going to have basically my column on one the strength and weakness of every team in football. Yeah, I had to watch a lot of football do this. So be sure to check that out. That'll be out this afternoon on CBSSports.com. First 365, Joe McDonald and John McMullen coming up next. Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr, and this is Good Morning NFC East. Have a great day, guys. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.